If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with MyBookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Broadcasting live from Florida's capital city, this is the Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now, stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in 5, 4, 3, 2, Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Good to be with you. How the hell are you, everybody? All right. Welcome in. I'm Jeff. That's Tom. Director Matthews floating in the ether. On Twitter, it's at J. Cameron Show. Let's listen to the who. Roger Daltrey knew in that moment, oh, I am killing this song. I am killing it. You always knew Pete was going to kill it. You always knew John Entwistle was going to get it. And Keith Boone, you weren't always sure of because there was a good chance he was passed out behind the kit. But if he was awake, he was going to kill it. Uh, I just always wonder if Roger was like, man, the vocals on this guy's, I mean, huh? Right? I mean, listen to me. Are you guys listening to me? They knew. There are certain recordings that you can hear a free and easiness to uh, what's going on everywhere. It's just being belted. It's so big. It's larger than life. You're like, oh, yeah, you got it. You got it. And you don't always write to it. You know, some songs are just studio versions, and then others you're like, oh, this is a live masterpiece, but uh, it doesn't translate as well on the record and vice versa. No, No, that's perfect all the way around. All right, here we go. It's Thursday. Another day closer. 
That's what we do these days. It's list season and check off the calendar, baby. That's what you do. It's another day. And we get little gains and wins here and there. Got a text yesterday from uh, from a friend who said, uh, hey, hey, appreciate the shout out there. I saw where uh, we were written about and you said something about it. And I said, you're damn right I did because uh, the savvy – the, the the savvy collective is uh, paying dividends to the point where it's being mentioned now, almost like it's free advertising. You got national writers going. One of the, and I was told. I just want you to know about this. I was told there's more good news on the way. More good news on the way in the weeks to come. Tom Lang. More good news on the way involving Florida State football and their ability to continue to recruit at a high level. Oh, okay. Yes, you're, you're talking perhaps the uh, the prep ranks. It seems that way. Okay. Seems. Seems that Transfer? way, buddy. Transfers? How? Yeah, no, yeah, no, no, no. I think we're that's on hold <laughs> for temporarily until we're allowed to, I guess, again. Uh, but where is, by the way, I have not, you would think your afternoon talk show host in Tallahassee, been here 25 years doing this stuff, would have a would have an idea of exactly where we are in the football recruiting world. But I know we're top 10. I know, I know nationally we're top 10 right now. Is that not correct? We're, we're like top seven, yeah. I think it is? Yeah, that's correct. Well, imagine if that gets to top five, because I think that's where we're all looking now. This is, this is a continued theme. Uh, we touched on it yesterday. It was the whole idea of, okay, once you get to a certain level of good, now you got to ascend to great, and everything is compared and contrast to greatness. Uh, and that that's true of uh, recruiting rankings. Bottom line is that's true of recruiting rankings too. And Florida State um, is is in a good spot right now uh, for this upcoming year. Um, I don't know. Depending on where, um, I guess it depends on where you're looking, Tom. I don't know. I, I think the different recruiting rank. I never know who's what, and and, and there's a there's disagreement on some of this. But uh, I also know this within the ACC. You need to get to the point where you are number one, where you're out recruiting Clemson and Miami, and uh, that it's it's not going to be a problem. That that that's where you reside on on the regular. Uh, it goes to it, you know goes without saying that if you're top ten nationally, you ought to be right there uh, atop the ACC. Clemson and Miami have been vying for that fringe for a while now. You ought to you ought to lead the way there, and I know we're ahead of both those schools right now, so that's a good thing. That's where I'm. I lock in on that, and then go for the national stuff. Yeah, again, I mean, I get, you're not going to beat Georgia and Ohio State right now. Probably not Alabama. Well, you're beating Georgia for a uh, five-star tight end. You have beaten you, them twice you, in a sense. Yeah, you already did. Yeah, yeah, because he left and then he came back. He said, "You know what? I don't like Georgia as much as I like Florida State." I brought this up before. I'll bring it up again while we're talking about the tide and the way things have gone and how excited it makes me. Uh, I I want you know as much as I talk about judging where we're at based on the vitriol we receive from fan bases around the college football universe. Like, that that's great. That's always a good sign. You're getting under people's skin when you're winning too much and there's too many positive notes being uh, written about you, headlines that are starting to get old for people as they click their favorite college football sites or they begin to read the preseason mags. They're like, oh, I'm tired of this. I got to earn it first. I'm sick of this. I love hearing talk like that. That's fine. Now you know you're on the cusp. I also like hearing the behind-the-scenes frustration from coaches, and I can tell you that that has happened as well. There's real frustration with coaches now having to deal with Florida State, both in the transfer portal, obviously, 
and now when it comes to the preps because when you start hearing pushback from Kirby Smart and Nick Saban, that's a good sign. When you hear anger from others who are top-tier level recruiters and the runners and everybody else, "Eh, we're having to deal with Florida State, right? Yeah, yeah, you are. Yeah, no apologies. Suck it. There you go. Yep, it's a it's part of um, I think a grieving process. I think that's what it is. They were gone coaches. for so long, and now they're back. And I thought we had rid it's, them. Yeah, it's Florida State. No, no way. Florida State, really? Again? Mm-hmm. Florida State, again? Oh man, it's Florida State. Kids, kid likes Florida State. He grew up a Florida State fan. That's the process they go through. They deny it. Then they think there are shenanigans that Florida State must be pulling that are above and beyond the shenanigans <laughs> that they pull. Shenanigans. Because coaches love to throw stones from glass houses, don't they? It's just part of their, I don't know, their DNA. It's all shenanigans. And then there's, all right, they're a part of the club. And then they get through their denial. They get through their grief. And they just understand that, <laughs> oh, man. It's, it's like when you're accepted into a new friend group. They just laugh. And they say, well, <laughs> that's what you do. You're sitting at our lunch table now. So how did you pull that kid? You want to tell me? Oh, you little, you you little son guy. Of a you. Oh, Norvell. I didn't think you'd be in the club, brother, but you fit. This looks nice. You and Nick and me. I'm Kirby Smart. Oh, you're, Kirby, you're Kirby, are yeah. you? It's like, you know what? I didn't think you'd fit in this lounge, but you do. You're perfect fit. Welcome. I got to give Kirby credit during this whole ascension to uh, top college football that Georgia has had. I, I do think it's kind of pimp that he routinely flies in on a helicopter for the kids that he's really worried about on, like, that day that you're going to be there, like, down onto your field. Oh, Kirby's here. I, I, I would do that. If I were all in on having to live this life, and this would be the number one thing I hated about being a college football coach, would be having to cater to 16, 17-year-olds and nonsense and family members and distant family members and runners with their hands out having to deal with all that nonsense, I would hate it. I would hate having to constantly sit around and text. I always admired this, by the way, about Jimbo and other elite recruiters, right? They always had a mindset. I think Mike has it. That's a, he, This is why I wasn't worried that he would come around on the high school ranks once they developed reputations and relationships that they couldn't develop early on. You had to do two things. You had to win, and you had to have access to coaches and kids on the heels of winning so that you can develop relationships with these high schools and these coaches. But what you have to look at recruiting if you're going to be elite at it, and all the great teams are certainly elite at recruiting, and those coaches specifically, you have to look at it as it's not just part of your job. It's why you're paid seven, eight, nine, ten million million, $10 million a year. You can find a way to sit around and text 16-year-olds if we're paying you $8 million a year. So what you got to do is part of it. Maybe an element of your job that you hate, just like there are elements of my job that I hate. Everybody has a job. Even if you love your job, even if you tell somebody, I think my job is the best job there possibly is, there are elements of that job that you're going to go, I hate this part of the job. I really do. I wish this wasn't part of the job. There's always something. Nobody has a perfect job. Anyhow, that said, you can't look at it that way. You have to look at it as, okay, well, this is part of it, but not only is it part of it, I'm going to kill it because I'm going to look at it as another part of the competition. Everything's competition in big-time college athletics, right? It's all about winning winning a game, it's winning the scouting report, it's winning the recruiting, it's winning the preparation, it's winning parents over in a living room. It's, it's always about winning. So if you just view it as one of the many competitions that you're paid handsomely to win more than you lose, then you could probably do it. You could do it. You could get home at 7.30, 8.30, 9.30, 10 o'clock at night and say, hey, babe, I love you. Thanks for the dinner. Sorry, I've got a text for an hour. Little Jimmy's not feeling wanted. 
I got to let him know that here at 10 o'clock in the Norvell household, I'm thinking about him. Put a gun in my mouth, but I'm thinking about him. Hey, that's what you got to do. And if I do this right, then Nick's going to feel that way over in Tuscaloosa, and Kirby's going to feel that way because they're going to be pissed off at my existence. And guess what, hun? i I'm hearing through the grapevine, they are pissed off at my existence because they're reminded of what Florida State once was and what is trending to be again, mm -hmm. and they're afraid. You know why they're barking? Because they're afraid. If we operate the way Florida State has in the earlier part of their careers, hell, Kirby was here. He knows. He knows what this place can be. They know that is an existential threat to their status as one of the elite. They have to survive around us now rather than just plow right past us. And that's where it's all going. And it's great, but this season is critical to fortify all of the messaging on the coaching staff side. You go ahead, you win 10-plus games again this year, you can make the college football playoff, you win the ACC, or you get out to Charlotte, then you can retain these kids and say, it's happening exactly like I told you it was going to happen. You, young man, mm. are going to be the player that puts us over the top. But you can't fall flat on your face now. No, and I, I think from here on out, you're in a position, like I said yesterday, that we, we've now turned the corner in one short year. In truth, it's been more than one year, but the victories on the field at the end of all that hard work is what it's measured by, and so it is just a singular season of success by that measure. You now are not allowed to go back. There's no, uh, you know, walking anything back. From here on out, the expectations should be sky high, and they'll remain that way. There's no season at Alabama or Georgia these days or Ohio State annually. Um, same with Southern Cal currently, you know, now that they're invested again. That'll be the case. It's always the case of Texas, but they fail miserably at it. Oklahoma, you name it. There are places that you have to win, and you have to win consistently, and there's an expectation that that winning uh, has the floor at uh, 9 or 10. Nine or ten every time. That's it. You don't have your bad season is a nine and three or eight and four campaign at worst. That's that's where we're at now, because to go backward is death. You don't and you don't have the luxury of falling into the arms of huge wealth like they do in the uh, Ohio State program or any of the SEC programs because of where they're at. You're right. You know you can have a bad year. You're still going to make a gazillion dollars and be able to invest in the next class. For Florida State, you're fighting for your life you got to sustain a level of elite relevance so that you remind everybody of what kind of brand you are, what kind of uh, attention you bring to TV sets everywhere, and what they might allow you to sell down the line. That's what Florida State has to continue to be. Omnipresent, mattering, big games, successes. Uh, you know, I think, it, I think it does matter here. I remember Corey and I used to argue back in the day. I used to say to him when Jimbo ran the slowest pace on earth, and it drove me nuts too because when you have better players – you should run more plays, not less plays. But, hey, uh, bottom line is he was never going to run a, a fast-paced offense. They were always going to run about 58 plays a game, and we were like, man, that's a lot of production for 58 plays. But I actually, at the time before the offense became uh, elite, obviously under one Jameis Winston, I used to say, yeah, I don't care if we win 17-7. to As long as they're wins and they're compiled one upon the other, you walk out of every season with 11 of them. I don't care if it's 20-6. to or 38-7, to seven. Uh, yeah, I'd prefer the latter, but 20-6 to six will work just fine if you're winning, if you're just winning over and over and over again. And he disagreed. His thought was, no, you won't win recruiting battles that way. You won't continue to sustain that success if all your wins are uglified like that, unless you're in the Big Ten and it's, you know, weather-permitting uh, type thing. you gotta, you got to throw it around the lot in Florida. I think that it's helpful, admittedly. I still don't know where I stand on the big picture. I think winning is winning, but what I would say is, 
it's helpful that we run a dynamic offense and you can really service running backs, receivers, tight ends in this offense, and obviously quarterbacks. You now, you know, he said it when he got the job. You know, this is an offense built around playmakers. You know, obviously you, you're you going to cater to what those skill sets are, and he's done that. He did it at Memphis, and he's trying to run the offense this way now. He wants to run. I like that this is a huge physical element, but they have the ability to be dynamic, and I do think that you're seeing it now. Look at the tight end that you just got. You just mentioned uh, a yes from a Georgia five-star kid. You've brought in some guys that are going to elevate the status of that room even more this year when they see it on Saturdays. Other tight ends are going to be like, hey, now, Georgia's cornered the market on that. Look at how good their tight ends have been year over year. They got the best one in the country currently, maybe the best of all time. So here we sit. More aspects of this offense are going to appeal to a larger swath of player in the richest recruiting area in the country, in the Southeast, when they take the field this year and average 45-plus points a game and have a balance of offense. They can kill you on the ground. They can kill you through the air. That is going to lead to much better classes more consistently. Yeah, just think about how the reputation has flipped position by position on offense, and it's easy to point to running back first because even when we didn't have an offensive line, we didn't have a good quarterback, and we had no receivers. We certainly didn't have any tight ends either that were going to be drafted in the top two rounds Mm -hmm. in the NFL. We were still explosive. Basically, you had none of the ingredients necessary to have a good or explosive running game. Was it good? No. Was it explosive? Yes. Okay, so if I'm a running back, that gets my attention. You're telling me that if you get anybody with a pulse in here to block for me or throw the ball or catch the ball, I'm going to go from being an explosive player in your offense to somebody that's going to be a featured piece and talked about as, as a tailback. Great. Now, since then, quarterback. Developing of Jordan Travis. That development is unbelievable. It's overnight, and you combine it with, Ira did a piece on it a week ago. We ran a video on Warchant TV about seeing progression in terms of stats, facts, and figures in quarterbacks in Mike Norvell's offense as they get into the offense for a second year and a third year. And you look at those quarterback, or sorry, those touchdown to interception ratios get even more healthy. Quarterback ratings go up. Completion percentage, yardage totals. Okay. So it's not just a Memphis thing or a group of five thing. You can now do that at the power five level. Great. As a quarterback, you have my attention. Wide receiver, through the transfer portal, they have opened the door to all of the possibilities. And look at what they did last year. They already brought in Hakeem Williams and Dre Jacobs, Goldie Lawrence, and this next class is going to be big. So your reputation is flipped there. And perhaps most importantly, offensive line. This is the most healthy the reputation for the offensive line has been at Florida State maybe since I was in elementary school. I mean, honestly, if you're a top-tier yeah. oh, yeah. offensive yeah. lineman, this has to be on your short list. <laughs> we were hoping to be on the top 15 list for yeah. big-time recruits. Now we're top five machines looking at these type of blue-chip players that want to come to Florida State, either as tackle or guard or whatever. It's unbelievable how the reputation has changed in the recruiting world for Florida State on offense. Every single position, this is now a destination. Got to happen on defense. You've got it on the defensive line and at defensive end right now. Do you have a reputation of bringing in and developing elite linebacker play and in the secondary? That is the big question mark surrounding this team. By the way, Briley, yeah, I think in an ancillary way it's true. He wrote, so the primary job of every head coach is to ruin the lives of other head coaches. Got it. That's the byproduct of kicking their ass on the field and off of it. Yes. You ruin their lives yeah. by winning repeatedly in recruiting and on the field. That is, yes, in essence, the definition of ruining their lives, their careers. Beat them enough in every facet. Yeah. In the ugliness of recruiting, in the X's and O's of a game, and then obviously any head-to-head matchup you can win. 
you could say that for the, um, what would you say, the sociopathic of the head coaching <laughs> community, that might be their first objective is that they want to piss off everybody else. You could say that it's an ancillary byproduct of developing. It's a chicken or the egg thing, man. If you win a lot of games, but, you're pissing people off. If you win over, win everybody over in recruiting, then you're going to win a lot of games. If if a coach like a Nick Saban or a Kirby Smart or a Dabo or whoever is is not indifferent towards Florida State, which is what they have been, indifferent, but they're actually pissed off by Florida State, yeah, I think that means that by definition good things are happening. Yeah. Love question. What would I have to do to incentivize you to make a uh, big board bet, uh, you and I, for the uh, Nuggets and the Heat? You know I like the Nuggets to win the series easily. What do I need to do to get you to take the Heat? Oh, man. Is there, how could I think, well, think on it a little bit? A little tall boys bet for us? I mean, the exchange rate has to be absurd. because it's, <laughs> Two to one? Three it, to one? It's five to one in Vegas. Uh, I mean, they're a five <laughs> to one favorite. Uh, can you pick a golfer? Have you looked at the Memorial Leaderboard? If you haven't, let's pick a golfer. Go head to head on that. Oh, man. You just want to get froggy juice today. I got, I, I'm feeling froggy. What do you got? Well, it's the calendar turn to June. It's mm. your birthday month. The birthday month. Tomorrow's my son's birthday. It's Clark Cameron's birthday. He will turn 13. I'll have two teenagers in the house at the same time. How about them apples? Mm. I'm Woo! Sure I'm are, glad I'm bald. You're thrilled for this. I'm not. What does he want for his uh, 13th uh, birthday? He always wants money. Everybody wants money. <laughs> That's what everybody wants. It's just money, money, money. But I can't blame him. You get what you want when you get the money. What, what does he like it, though, uh, in the form of cash, Venmo, gift cards? <laughs> he doesn't have Venmo. He doesn't have Venmo No, yet? he does not have Venmo. He likes, uh, well, cash as king, obviously. You know what happens with cash? What happens with cash when Clark gets it is uh, within a day or two, money burns a hole in his pocket. I have two very opposite kids. My oldest kid has saved every nickel he's ever received. He's probably sitting on $50,000. I don't know it. I'm just guessing. It's crazy. He has a safe in his room. He has a safe. Well, it's a, it's a, it's not really like a real safe. Like piggy bank. Like, yeah, it's like a, but but yeah, it's got a lock on. It. I mean, the whole thing. And so, is it a woo pig suey bank? It's not. But he cracks me up. So I've given him money. His mother's given him money. His great grandmother, who's still alive and kicking ass all the time, gives him money. Uh, his grandma, granddad, he's fond over. Both children are. That's what grandparents do. Anyhow, the point is. They send him money for special occasions, whatever. Uh, he got money when he was going to New York and D.C. Uh, during the during the school year. Uh, and so I say to him all the time because he'll say, well, I, I want uh, I would like to buy this or I'd like to buy that or I'd like to. Uh, uh, Dad, can you get me this or give me that? Son, why don't you reach in that bank of yours over there where you've got all this money that you've never spent? If you want a shirt or you want this pair of shoes, those LeBrons you talk about all the time, go buy the damn LeBrons yourself. Why do I got to get everything? What are you doing with all that money? Well, I'm saving it. For what? I, I don't know. He doesn't want to spend it. The other one? Son, save the money. Why do you? You just got $100 like two months ago. Why is it gone? Oh, I bought a poster and some uh, color shoelaces for these shoes that I want. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? So they're very opposite. But the other thing that happens when he gets cash, hey, dad, I want to get this add-on to Grand Theft Auto, and it's $33, okay? Well, you know, your card is the one connected to the game, so I'm going to just charge your card, and here's $33. Oh, but he actually gives you the cash? He gives me the cash. Okay, he does the deal. Good. Yeah, he gives me the cash. He'll walk in and be like, here's $33. 
I'm adding some on your card when you get a notice that your credit card's been charged. Congratulations, son. You got the modified paintball gun that's now yeah. a death machine. <laughs> yeah. He's, Great. Yeah. It's hilarious. Yeah. And then I'll hear him in the room just blowing up the world. I'm like, okay, this is healthy. This seems healthy. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Hello there, podcasters. Oh, don't worry. I won't prattle on for two minutes like I do with some of the other reads. Zaxby's doesn't demand it of me. <laughs> Zaxby's like, look, just tell everybody that we have the best chicken sandwich in all the land. That's easy. I can do that. I can attest to that. A delicious, thick, juicy, tasty Zaxby's chicken sandwich is where it's at. Of course, the strips are a given. You like the strips? We get the strips on game days. The platters are lifesavers. Mm-hmm. If you're going to a party, a pool party, say, this summer, and what do I bring? Just bring a beer giant thing. No. and Zaxby's. Worry about the beer. You bring the Zaxby's, you're going to be the hero. Just uh-huh. make sure you get all the sauces, too. They've got like 97 sauces, and they're all delicious. I don't know if you guys know this. There are 27 Zaxby's in Tallahassee alone. 27. You can't miss them. I think that's true in general in every city in America. They're like so, peach trees in Atlanta. They're everywhere. Look around. Find you a Zaxby's and get after it. By the way, your Tallahassee Zaxby's a proud Golden Chief booster for 18 years. Go Knowles. Welcome back to the Jeff Cameron Show, sponsored by Legendary Home Loans, a mortgage experience designed around speed, simplicity, and customer service. Before you buy your next home, contact our friend Shannon Young with Legendary Home Loans. Visit FSUHomeLoans.com. FSUHomeLoans.com. I saw where we tweeted out on War Chance feed that join the Jeff Cameron show now as Jeff and Tom talk about softball. Not really. Not that's not true. You can't break down softball. There's not a lot to break down. I think big we day, know. Man. Yeah, it was a big deal. Listen, there are two different ways of having this discussion. Are we excited that Florida State is taking on Oklahoma City and or Oklahoma State? And, uh, and and that we're, you know, obviously uh, familiar with that team and we're in a venue that uh, everybody seeks to be, World's College, Women's College World Series. Yeah, uh, we are. It seems to me that, uh, you know, if your superstar pitcher pitches like a superstar, you're going to win. That's kind of the way it goes. If a cat pitches exceptionally well, we win. This is a loaded lineup, though. Oklahoma State. So was Georgia's. So was Georgia's. Got told to sit. They they did. There you go. Sit. All right. Got told to sit. Played him for three in Stillwater a couple sit months ago. Sit your ass. They took two or three from us. Yes, they did in Stillwater. They scored five, nine, and three yep. in those games. Mm-hmm. So my point is maybe all the more relevant if uh, – Catherine Sandercock goes out and dominates a lethal lineup as she did while pitching a perfect game, you know, against Georgia, then, hey. Well, yeah. That was South Carolina. She pitched the Oh, well, right, right, right. Sorry, yeah. But, I mean, like, that's my point. If you get every one of these teams have typically, sometimes more, a dominant number one. That's one thing that you notice every year when you watch softball. The sport is better than it's ever been. The athleticism is better than it's ever been. The games are fun to watch. Uh, defensively, you watch girls make plays, the likes of which we didn't see 20, 25 years ago. It's a fun sport now in a way it never was. Got it. Agreed. 
you know, the ball's hit out of the infield now. There's real power. There's all those things. But one thing doesn't change about bat ball sports, and that is a dominant pitcher wins, typically. Dominant pitching wins. And you've got a, you've got a dominant pitcher. If she pitches well, you got a real shot to win. If she doesn't, obviously you won't. That's it. That's true when we get to the postseason in Major League Baseball, Tom. It's like, all right, look, I get it. You had you scored the most amount of runs. You hit the most home runs. You did all those things. Well, a dominant ace who misses bats eliminates all of that. And I would say the same in softball. I know I'm simplifying it, but I think pretty much that's the way to do it. I'm not. There aren't elements of this that I'm going to break down uh, like you would a bullpen in baseball. It's not the same thing. No, agreed. I would just say for Cat's sake tonight, it would have to be a deviation. I get it. It was two and a half months ago that we went to Stillwater on that roadie. But in eight innings, she gave up across two appearances against Oklahoma State. She gave up seven runs. That's just not going to cut it. No, we'll lose. We'll lose. It's just that simple. So I was kind of making fun of ourselves here. I mean, you know, join Jeff and Tom as they break down softball. Oh, there you go. Cat's got to kick ass. There's your breakdown. And I'm not even kidding. That's it. I mean, I think you'll do enough to scratch a run or two across the plate, maybe more, but you've got to dominate on the hill. And she's that kind of pitcher. Obviously, has to be brimming with confidence going into this game. I understand the opponent and what they were able to do her two months ago. Do you think she's lacking confidence now after what she's done in the postseason? No chance, no how as experienced as she is. Yeah, what I'm interested to see is first sign of trouble, that kind of stuff. Does Lonnie yank Cat in that moment? Because Softball's different. You can bring them back later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want to know, based upon the scout, based upon what they saw with these first matchups, is there something that Lonnie knows that Oklahoma State has for Cat that maybe other teams don't? And if there is first and second one out in the second inning, is that enough for Lonnie to have somebody ready to go to get out of a jam and then they'll bring her back later? Or do you you just kind of ride with it? It seems unlikely, right, that in that scenario... Well, he's been aggressive over the years. She's very aggressive. Sometimes uh, people will criticize her for that, and it frustrates folks. Um, she's she's very liberal with the use of that but bullpen. Yeah. You know how it goes in, in College World Series settings, both in uh, Omaha and in Oklahoma City. You get in that winner's bracket, and the likelihood of you coming out of the winner's bracket is, I mean, huge. You get you lose tonight. Yeah, it's and the all likelihood about getting, of you making that best no, of three. No, is, very no. You got to go to very the, difficult. The, the, nothing changes. That's where it's very similar in in college and in uh, baseball and, and softball. You got to you got to be in the winners bracket. But the the thing is, how does that impact the way you manage? You got to manage this. I mean, with the utmost amount of cutthroat in you, as Lonnie or as whoever's out there in Omaha. This. You micromanage, I think, a little bit more in this situation because every run matters all the more. you got to give yourself a crack from the winner's side. We'll see. We'll see. Again, it's been a long time since these two teams matched up, and it looks like the bats have come to life for us a little bit more. Certainly they weren't for the regional, much no. better against Georgia. Mm -hmm. But I think you probably need to, if you, there's a race to in Oklahoma City, I think the race is to four tonight. I think you need to scratch four across. Race is to four, says Tom Lang. All right. I think the race is to two. Woo. We're going to dominate their ass. Sounds like a New Jersey Devils playoff game. Get you some of that right there. Circa 1999. Little little uh, two-to-one win for the Knowles. We're on the edge. That'll be an on-the-edge couple on hours. On the edge. Nervous. Nervous as can be in the first day of June. 
You know what's funny about just consumption of sports is that this year with the pitch clock and MLB. It's been great. One of the things that had separated softball before that change was that it was a lot faster of a game. Yeah. And now I'm looking at softball saying, hey, you Come can on. speed it up. Yeah. Because Cat will take her time. She'll pace around. She'll walk the ball to each base between pitches if it's not going right. And you're just saying, let's move it along here. Sometimes a seven-inning game now of softball can take longer than a most nine-inning games in baseball. So hopefully they, they look at the pitch clock in this sport as well. It's just funny how spoiled you get. Last year I would have said, oh, softball, what a breath of fresh air. The game moves along, and now because of what MLB has done successfully, like, man, a lot of standing around. Let's go. <laughs> Let's move it along. It's still pretty quick, though. It is. The investment yes. that yes. you make, is that the time commitment's not nearly as bad as it used to be. Hey, really quick on that note. Uh, as we go to break, uh, and then I'll excite everybody by talking about TV contracts. Uh, something something to note here, uh, Tom, that uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates entered June a game above 500. Mm -hmm. Which is right there in that division. Well, right, yeah. Sorry-ass Central. Yeah, sorry-ass Central. If only it had been the sorry-ass Central back when we were winning 100 games <laughs> and not winning the division yep. with 100 wins. That's right. I had 101 last year. We lost. Found a way. It hurts your feelings, it, man. It does. It, you're like, come on, seriously? Yeah. The uh, to to Tom's point, the uh, the Buckos are uh, 28 and 27, one game out of first place in the uh, in the National League Central. Behind the Just Brewers, one game out of first place. Who have a run differential in the negative 20s? They do, and the Pirates have a plus run differential, so it's a little bit more sustainable. That's right. A little bit more, just a little bit, just a little bit. You're going to get to your birthday. Well, let's go easy. With we the Pirates being in contention in the division. Probably, yeah. It feels that way. It's only 10 more days. It feels that way. We have a winning record on the road. We, you know, Nobody goes out there to the uh, Robert Nutting-led PNC Park anymore. They, they, they <laughs> They're frustrated. We have done all of this without our very best player, so that is a that is also a kudos, Buckos, kudos. In the ilk of the uh, the rom com fans mm -hmm. uh, from you know the early twentieth century, twenty first, I mean, could they call it Nutting Hill? Oh, but a bump. No, well done. No, all right. Pirates have a better record than uh, Director Matthews Phillies. Just thought I'd point that. Yeah, the Mets do too. Mm. A lot of people do. Phillies are struggling. A lot of people do. Chef Cameron Show ninety three three Real Talk Radio Four Chat TV. What's up, guys? Our next partner that you're going to hear from is Athletic Greens. You've heard me talk about Athletic Greens in the past. Happy to talk about them again. I take Athletic Greens every day, and I gave them a try because certainly I wanted more energy, sustained energy. I wanted to support my immune system. I don't like taking pills and vitamins per se, and I wanted something that tasted good too. And the first time I tried it, I was very surprised. Uh, it had an appreciable effect on my energy levels. And also, uh, over time, you'll note that it uh, it helps your skin, your hair, your nails. I don't have a lot of hair, but if I did, I bet I could feel that. I bet I could tell. It's a comprehensive health uh, habit, and uh, it is a, a powerful one at that. AG1 is great for recovery. Uh, that's Athletic Greens. And uh, I, I take mine basically when I wake up every morning. I don't have to worry about it because you get all the nutrients that you want. It's the best way to ensure that you're going to get all of your vitamins. It's a carbon-neutral business, by the way, if that's important to you. It is to a lot of people, and that's good to know as well. I would also note that uh, it is a comprehensive solution to what you need from a supplement routine. Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs right now with your first purchase. 
Go to athleticgreens.com slash JCS. Helps me out, guys, if you use that. Not financially, but it lets them know that you heard this ad on my show. And I do take it, and I am vouching for them because I enjoy their product. It's athleticgreens.com slash JCS. Check it out. I think you'll note the difference in your life with a simple drink each and every morning to start your day. Athleticgreens.com slash JCS. The Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness, two Tallahassee locations, Midtown on Thomasville Road, and Northside in the Village Common Shopping Center. Online at orangetheoryfitness.com. Hey, Tom, you'll like this story. Let's read it. Let's talk about it. Let's uh, kick it around for a second, shall we? Good song. Uh, the conversation that centers around our fear regarding the SEC and Big Ten TV contracts and the source of uh, major discontent for those of us in the ACC and the long-term projections of what it all means and what's sustainable and what isn't and what FSU and teams like Clemson need to do and you know you 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 pay attorneys or something like that and you fight this in court. There's a thought to to do all of that to get out of the grant of rights. You could end up. If things don't look sustainable long-term, you could be jumping out of the frying pan into the fire, right? If if things change on the media landscapes and television contracts. Well, here's a story in which that just happened, and it's kind of interesting. I don't know if you watch this out there. Folks are, are baseball fans may have read this story, and I know you're really astute when it comes to uh, stories involving media, television contracts, cord cutting, those kinds of things, because we're always judging the landscape. Uh, and the numbers for those things are unbelievable. Right. Remember I, we learned all this during the pandemic. We learned all this during the Dodgers deal and then the Rays thing where we were like, well, it's an empty stadium, but it doesn't matter because they're making this much from the Bally Sports deal and all that. Right. And the Dodgers have their own network and right. the deal that they have, or it's whatever it is, Sportsnet Out West, whatever the group is. If you look at the breakdown of how much every single game costs to right. broadcast, right. it's paid to the Dodgers for the rights to the game, You'd have to do something, I think it's in the seven figures, every every game in sales in order to break even with a, with an RSN deal. How are you going to make millions of dollars right. worth of ad revenue in every game? If, if there's 162 of them, it just, that's where I use the term unbelievable in the literal sense. I don't know that that actually is a thing. You don't believe it's sustainable? No, I don't. It's buying on credit. I think so. Okay, here we go. The most important sports story of the next decade may have just begun in living rooms across San Diego. On Tuesday, Diamond Sports Group, via its subsidiary, Bally Sports San Diego, broadcast its last ever Padres game. Diamond lost the rights to San Diego's games because it failed to make required payments to the team. Moving a few steps backward in the dance, Diamond failed to make the payments after filing for bankruptcy and filed for bankruptcy as it was facing severe debt because of broadcasting rights fees. All right, so you're in on this, Tom. Here we go. Television rights fees drive sports. You already know this. Rights fees fuel all elements of sports, from salaries to stadium improvements. The share of rights fees as a percentage of teams' overall revenue varies, but... If you go back to 2020, there was a 538 story on how much teams stood to lose during COVID. And they put that figure for Major League Baseball teams at an average of about 22%. Hmm. That's a reasonable starting point, 22%. Wow. 
Teams, leagues, and broadcasters are all, in effect, buying on credit, that credit being the hope that fans will justify those astronomical rights fees by continuing to show the same enthusiasm that they're showing today. And if stories ranging from the housing crisis to the conversations around your home dinner table tell us anything, it's that buying on credit is not sustainable long-term. Consider, for instance, the state of the Padres' broadcast situation. Major League Baseball will take over broadcasting duties effective immediately. I want to repeat that, by the way, because this gets interesting. Major League Baseball will take over broadcasting duties effective immediately. They have, in essence, cut the middleman. It's at a cost of $19.99 a month. Major League Baseball, obviously, would be just fine centralizing its broadcast operations keeping more revenue in-house and redistributing it more equally amongst its teams. That entire business model is predicated on the expectation that fans will be willing to pay one way or another to continue to watch baseball. And, well, I guess you could argue, and many do, will they? For those that say, I'm not so sure, well, they could point to the fact that Diamond didn't declare bankruptcy because they had too many customers. Diamond, meanwhile, is the canary in the coal mine. It had been a highly lucrative coal mine for a while. Diamond holds the broadcasting rights to 14 Major League Baseball teams, 16 NBA teams, 12 NHL teams, and unfortunately for them, a few WNBA teams that nobody watches. If you think this is the only set of costly rights cash-strapped broadcaster will relinquish, well, then... Feel free to pay $19.99 a month to tell you what you want to hear. Broadcast entities all the way up to and include ESPN are trying to reckon with the impact of cord cutting, diminished revenue streams on their existing broadcast commitments. The bill's coming due, and the money's not coming in the way it once did. We've had this conversation. Yes, it's one of those things where you look at the SEC TV deal or the Big Ten TV deal, and you could rightfully ask, is that money sustainable from the network side? Screaming it from the mountaintops, many say, no, it's not. Yeah. It's not going to be there by the time we get there. Right. That's right. the argument. Sports have long been the most valuable broadcast property. We all know this on television because it's the last bastion of mandatory real-time viewing. Anybody we talk to, you and I talk about shows that we love. Well, you might wait a year to start Succession now that all of the hullabaloo is over and we know what a popular show it was. It may take you five years to watch Ted Lasso. It took me how long to watch Better Call Saul. I regret not having started sooner. It's a tremendous show. The point is, we all do this. It took you forever to watch Breaking Bad. It did. So, sports was the last bastion of must-watch real-time. I'm not watching tonight's NBA Finals Game 1 a week from now. I'm watching it tonight. Because <laughs> I don't... I don't need, or Maybe, worst-case scenario, if I'm really tired... Tomorrow morning, really early, but pretty much in real time. Yeah, I would agree. Tonight, probably, you might start it late, let it get settled, right? and then you jump in in the middle of the second quarter. So the atomization of the sports broadcast universe may benefit the teams and broadcasters themselves. Subscription revenue is more reliable than advertising revenue, but subscription revenue rolls in only if you have subscribers, and again, many sports fans are not inclined to add a raft of new subscription fees to their monthly bills for the sake of a few ball games. I don't think that's true in the SEC and the Big Ten. I think they are. I think every, I think you, the, the mad, hardcore, you know, can't-miss sports fans of college football are in the South and in the Big Ten, and they would pay that fee. Yeah, I think what they would do and what they are doing now is they're paying the rights fees for a shorter period of time. I think the, what the hybrid 
reality is for a lot of college sports fans, and we see this on the message boards of Warchant.com, I will add, writes the subscriber to Warchant, I will add YouTube TV for football season, yeah. but then when it's over, I'm Take done it away. with it. Yeah. So you don't have this fixed, you know, because cable companies will lock you in for a year or two years or whatever. You don't have this fixed revenue that you can depend upon for 12 months. Right. Now it's getting shrunk down to four or five. And real quick, let me run the numbers from the most egregious example of a TV contract in baseball. And I'm going to use simpler numbers. But the Dodgers' recent TV deal, most recent extension, $8 billion over 25 years. Mm -hmm. That amounts to $320 million per year, Mm -hmm. which amounts to at 150 games, because they're on national TV a lot, $2.1 million per game is what it costs their RSN to broadcast their games. Now, some of that they recoup from you know, people that have cable companies or DirecTV or whatever, and, and that's how they get their money. But you think about the amount of spots they've got to put in every game right. yeah. to recoup that amount of money. Well, it just doesn't seem like it's sustainable. On a micro level, remember when we were at Clear Channel, now iHeart, the cost of carrying FSU football mm-hmm. was astronomical. Of course, it's not now. In the last decade, too. It was astronomical. So then if you, here was the worst part about it. If you took on the licensing fee, I'll just say $100,000. I started in radio at a time where it was much more. But anyhow, let's just say $100,000 to carry Florida State. Well, here's the part. Florida State screws you because you pay the $100,000, all right? You pay the $100,000. It was a lot more. And then you got to sell advertising to the games. Yeah. But they have an entity selling advertising within the broadcast, and they're competing with you. For the same dollars. So you can never get it back. Right. You're going to get screwed twice. That is... uh, In a nutshell, that's how that works. I love the inside baseball (laughs) that you uh, just divulged. Yeah. Probably safe to say that, you know, this frequency is not purchased. No, no, they wouldn't anyhow. But that's what they did. That's what they did. That's 100% how it works. That is 100% how it works. Leagues bank on your loyalty, expecting you to follow them down the toll road of pay TV. And for the big ticket events, they're probably right. You'll tune in to watch the Super Bowl, even if it's on cable TV. You might be willing to subscribe to Peacock TV to watch this year's wild card playoff game and then cancel before the next month fees hit. You might even commit to Amazon for the weekly Thursday night football game because you're a lunatic. Well, what the hell? There's free shipping thrown in, too. But that's the NFL. That is the NFL, the most popular sports entity in the world. If I didn't have, soccer. if I didn't already have Prime, yeah, I already and, do, and I had a choice of, yeah, I take it to the bar if I really need to see the game. The Thursday night slate, I know it's been terrible. No, thank you. Will you pay to watch Major League Baseball games in May? The answer to you and me probably, yeah. A lot of the country. What about NBA games in November? Mm-hmm. I don't know. The occasional hockey game, golf major, or tennis. I think we know that in mass, we know the answer to that is no. Then you would say is an existential crisis for sports. The impending potential exodus of fans who don't want to pay. Older fans may not want to pay for games they recall receiving for free. God, talk to an old person about streaming. Jesus. It's impossible for them to even get the concept, let alone agree to do what you're asking them to do. To see the game. What well, I should get that free as part of my... What, what do you mean? <laughs> so you have that, right? Bundled into larger cable subscription and all that. 
more ominously younger fans who never got accustomed to the joys of a summer evening with baseball on TV, for example, might not know what they're missing, may not have as much incentive to spend $19.99 a month on it, or go to the trouble of searching out a free illegal stream to find out. In the grand scheme, sports on TV aren't going anywhere. We know that. You'll always be able to watch anything you want if you want it bad enough. But a market correction is most assuredly coming, and the ripple effects will impact every single wallet from team owners to superstars to you. Good article. I paraphrased much of it, read directly from it as well, Jay Busby, Yahoo. But it also, yes, there's a good piece in The Athletic today about how once again, surprise, surprise, the haves in baseball are going to control the future of this because MLB could pivot after this situation with Diamond Sports and right. say, all right, we want to control all 30 teams. Well, that's what I just said. They, they, they would happy to do this in-house. Yeah. Right. But what I'm saying, why the, these teams like the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Mets, and the Dodgers hold the cards is because they make so much money off of it that it would not benefit them. Right. And you have to have unanimity in order to get this thing to work. Because if you have an MLB streaming package that has the Rays and the Marlins and the D-backs and the Padres, I mean, you might have some fans, but if it does not have the Yankees and the Red Sox and the Dodgers and the Mets and the Cubs, like who's going to buy that package for the lesser teams on a grand scale to make it worth their time? Mm -hmm. When you still would have to pay for Yes Network Plus or Nessun Plus, um, you wouldn't do that. I wouldn't. I would buy SNY. The Braves, let's say they have their own TV deal, too. If you're a Braves fan, and you could get direct-to-consumer Braves games on whatever the future is, or you could get these other 15 teams in the MLB package, I think you'd pick the Braves. You wouldn't buy. So everybody's got to be in agreement with MLB in order for this whole yeah, thing to work. Right. It's fun to watch and speculate and project, obviously, as we're in the midst of uh, fighting for more and a much bigger piece of the pie. Well done, TPE. Our Number two forthcoming, Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3, Real Talk Radio, Orchard TV.